You're listening to Unreasonable Impact, Food Solutions, a three-part advertisement feature series on food sustainability, paid and presented by Barclays and Unreasonable Group, produced by BBC StoryWorks Commercial Productions. They say we are what we eat, but how is what we grow and eat changing? We hear about producing food for a growing population amid water scarcity, soil depletion, and a changing climate impacting food security. But what if we could grow more nutritious food that was fresher, with a fraction of the water and a smaller carbon food print? I'm Christiana Musk, and this is Unreasonable Impact Food Solutions. Do you hear that buzzing? That's because I'm about to say sustainability. And I know it's one of the buzzwords in the food business, but for good reason. We finally realized that how we produce our food really matters for our health and the health of the planet. In this episode, we'll explore some of the innovative ways that agriculture is changing. All of the leading food entrepreneurs that you are going to meet are fellows of the Unreasonable Impact Program, a collaborative partnership between Barclays and Unreasonable Group that supports and scales up high-growth entrepreneurs, leveraging innovation and disruptive technologies to solve some of the most pressing global challenges within the green economy, while also creating the jobs of tomorrow. These Unreasonable Impact Fellows are boldly going into a new food future and laying the table for the rest of us. I'll be speaking with Kate Hoffman. Kate's the co-founder of Grow Up Farms, a UK-based controlled environment agriculture company with a focus on hydroponic vertical farms. And then to bring us down to earth, we'll also learn from Alex Eaton, co-founder of Sistema Bio. Sistema Bio is a social business that works with smallholder farmers to increase productivity and efficiency by turning methane gas into renewable energy and organic fertilizer. But first, to help us get a broader view on farming, I'm joined by Brian Riley, who is the global head of sustainable and impact banking at Barclays. Brian has a truly global view on farming innovations. Thank you so much for joining us to help us understand the state of our food system today. Christiane, it's a pleasure. So Brian, from your perspective, why should we be thinking about sustainability today? Personally, it's something that's always been very important to me, and I feel very fortunate that in my job in banking at Barclays, I could take the skills that I've learned over the last 24 years as a banker and apply them to something that I'm passionate about and that I really care about. I think it's important, right? If you look at all the facts out there, whether they be empirical evidence in the frequency of storms and the strength of the storms, it's undeniable. And technology can help us adapt to what is happening in the world, and it can help us mitigate it. Just as we've seen technology disrupt the financial sector, just as we've seen technology disrupt how we shop for things, technology is going to disrupt how we're doing many other things that could have a positive impact on the environment. And one big one is agriculture and food. What is it we really need to disrupt in agriculture and food? What isn't working? You know all too well because you're one of the leading experts out in food. And uh, agriculture and food production are complex issues. And one set of issues actually impacts the farmers themselves, right? There are powerful secular forces at work that are impacting farmers and their ability to feed the planet while at the same time earn a living, right? But the other set of issues actually impact the climate. Agriculture and the production of food 
are significant contributors to climate change. So that includes methane emissions from cattle, carbon dioxide emissions from farm equipment, carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide, deforestation and other land use. And that's just to name a few. And that doesn't even include the negative impacts on biodiversity. So the bottom line is, as we look at the future, we're going to need to produce much more food than we do today. But if we keep producing with the same methods that we use today, first, many farmers are simply going to go out of business, which is already happening. And even if we figure out uh, how to keep farmers going, it will be a disaster for the climate. And that's why going back to your original question, why do we focus on this? Why do we care? These are the problems specific to food and ag, but it's a big issue. Yeah, it's a huge issue. Thank you for laying out the whole <laughs> global dilemma that we're facing here. I think one point I would add to that is water scarcity, yes. adapting to those water shortages. And for each of these points that you mentioned, we actually have technologies for just about every piece of the food system, all the way to innovating on seeds to innovating on food waste, right? If you went to all the way from the beginning to the very end (laughs) of our food system. And that's what's really exciting. Realizing the climate crisis is arguably one of the biggest issues of our time. You and the team at Barclays co-founded Unreasonable Impact. And as you know, we'll be hearing from several entrepreneurs who are part of that initiative. Brian, for our audience, can you share a bit about what Unreasonable Impact is? We started Unreasonable Impact with the Unreasonable Group. Boy, I guess we're now in our sixth year. So that was 2016. And this partnership's been an absolute home run for us at Barclays. What we're doing is working with these entrepreneurs and these innovators whose companies are at the, that commercialization stage, right? So that critical stage and are solving real social and environmental challenges. And what we do is help the entrepreneurs solve their own challenges, right? So provide them with strategic advice, help with access to capital, access to partners, ideas on financing. We've supported over 240 companies around the world. This is not just the U.S. program in sectors such as food and ag tech, renewable energy, carbon capture, hydrogen, sustainable materials, among many others. And as I said, it's been a home run for me personally uh, to be able to play really teeny part, but to play a part in these entrepreneurs' journeys as they demonstrate real courage. And I mean that, uh, real courage. Unreasonable Impact has opened so many doors for us with VCs and luminaries and, of course, the companies themselves. So it fits so, so perfectly with what we're trying to do at Barclays. And I I, I really just love this program and I can't say enough about it. Your engagement means so much to each and every one of these entrepreneurs on the front lines. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really lucky to have you. Christiana, it's been a real pleasure doing this podcast series with you. Thank you for inviting me. In 2013, Kate Hoffman co-founded Grow Up Farms and developed London's first commercial aquaponic farm. She and her co-founder, Tom Webster, saw urban farming as a better way to grow fresh produce for city dwellers. So Kate left a successful career to pursue a lifetime of work in changing how we grow the food that ends up on our tables. She is disrupting traditional agriculture by using indoor farming techniques to reduce the distance our food travels between farm and pork. Welcome, Kate. Hi. (laughs) So Kate, you have been growing food indoors. 
How does that even work? And why would you ever do such a thing? Well, (laughs) what we do growing indoors, also known as vertical farming, is creating the ideal growing conditions for the plant. So we provide the exact nutrients that the plants need to their roots and we control the lighting and the temperature and the humidity. So if you're a lettuce leaf, for example, you would feel like you are on a warm summer Sicilian day, but all year round, even in the southeast of England, in Kent or somewhere else. And so the plants can grow like that year round with everything they need in the ideal conditions. As a young woman living in the UK, I believe you were living in London when you started this company. Central London is not exactly where people think of starting a farm. I mean, partially the real estate's pretty expensive there, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) What made you think about farming in a city? What inspired you to start this company? Well, before I set the company up, I used to work for IBM. So I was working on big IT transformation projects and I really liked my work and I got to work with some great people and on lots of different industries and projects. But ultimately, I sort of felt like all I was doing was helping make big businesses make more money and it wasn't terribly fulfilling. And I felt like there might be something else I could be doing, but I just didn't really know what it was. So I took a sabbatical and I went to do a master's at Imperial College in London. That was when I came across the idea of vertical farming. So what is unsustainable about the conventional way in which lettuce is grown today? For some crops like lettuce crops, it's becoming increasingly difficult to grow them in the field without relying really heavily on trying to augment and treat the soil in a way that allows you to produce a consistent crop. And so for certain crops, it just makes absolute sense to bring them inside and grow them in an environment where you can control all aspects of the production so you don't have any negative outcomes from it. But also you can then free up that land that had previously been used to grow salad to grow something else. What are some of the negative impacts of growing salad today? Because quite a lot of people, you know, show up at the grocery store, or they show up at the a restaurant and they order a lovely salad and it's good for their health. So salads are just becoming more and more popular as people become more health conscious. Take us through the journey of a traditional lettuce leaf <laughs> arriving in the grocery store, perhaps in London. Almost all the salad that's sold in the UK is, is ready to eat and it, it has been pre-washed to make it that way. But inevitably, it's a bit of a letdown and a bit disappointing and it just doesn't stay fresher for long enough. And that's partly a result of what's been done to it to get it ready to eat. And so part of the problem is that we import about 70% of our salad leaf um, across the year in the UK and we can only grow it between March and September. And even then we're not self-sufficient, so we don't grow enough to feed everyone their salad in those months. So you've got a good couple of days of transport there to get it from the field to the UK. And when it gets to the UK, it goes into a pack house. It's washed in chlorine. It goes through a sort of industrial tumble dryer where it's sort of battered <laughs> around, washed in chlorine and then and then dried in that tumble dryer. So, so it sounds like a big laundry site for lettuce. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lettuce laundry. Yeah. So by the time it, it gets to you, it's had quite a lot of clobbering and, and, and battering. And so that's affected the quality. And I suppose further back in, in the supply chain, one of the things that's that's challenging for farmers growing lettuce would be pests that might affect it. So they'll be reliant on pesticides to keep the crop safe. All of that comes together to produce a crop that's got some quite intensive environmental impacts, but also at the other end is just a bit of a letdown for consumers when it should be something great. 
I'm trying to imagine you when you have the first batch of lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) How are you going to supermarkets or restaurants and saying, hey, look, I I grew this lettuce down in a warehouse uh, down the road, (laughs) London grown lettuce. I think were people looking at you like you were crazy? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People, people did think we were a bit nuts. But the honest answer is that the first farm that we built um, was a shipping container farm. And we, we had that near to Borough Market in London. And that's where most of our customers were. So actually, we didn't have to get people to imagine this crazy way of growing food. We just them, look, can we just have 10 minutes of your time? Just sort of let's walk down the road. Come and have a look, <laughs> see what we're doing. The thing about salad is nobody eats a bowl of lettuce and goes, oh, that was so delicious. You know, people don't think in their minds that lettuce can be delicious. And so we go to meetings and sort of say to people, no, no, you know, the stuff that we're growing, it's really, really good. And they're like, oh yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) Give people a bag to taste. And we've we've been in meetings with people where they've they've just sat there eating out the bag like it's a packet of crisps. It's all about (laughs) getting people to to taste it so they they can see that and taste how great it is. Grow Up Farms recently closed a hundred million pound investment to launch their newest vertical farm in Kent that is powered by renewable energy. So Kate, you started with bringing people to a little box outside Borough Market, a shipping container, and now you've grown to be quite a significant farmer. How has that production changed over time? We started with a shipping container in Borough Market where we were getting up at 5am and cycling over to harvest the crop and then taking it on our bikes over to the restaurants and traders in Borough Market. And we then went on to build our second farm, Unit 84, which was in an old warehouse in East London. So we took an existing building and we retrofitted it with a system where we were actually producing fish and plants. So that was a system called aquaponics, where we would take the wastewater from the fish farm and use that as the nutrient base for the plants. And we were... That sounds a little funky. Does that work? It does work, yes. And actually, as a concept, the idea of combining aquaculture and, and um, horticulture has been around for, for centuries. It's it's actually how rice paddy farming works in, in Asia. You You flood the paddies, you put fish in there and the fish fertilise the plants and they eat the bugs, um, keep the plants safe. That circular system's been around for a really long time. We'd always had this bigger ambition. We couldn't change what we were doing there. We couldn't scale up anymore. And crucially, we didn't have any access to on-site renewable energy. So we were buying renewable energy from the grid, which at the time, everyone was like, that's, that's nuts. Why are, you buying, why are you buying renewable energy? It's X times more expensive than the standard grid energy. And it was. But even in 2014, we could see that it didn't make any sense to take this new type of food production and do it if it meant that the carbon footprint was going to be significantly higher than the conventional way of doing things. So Tom, my co-founder, and I worked out that what we needed to take the business forwards was expertise in two areas. One was around this renewable energy integration. So we knew we couldn't buy energy in from the grid anymore. We had to be co-located, but to be next to it. And the other was about expertise in this idea of much bigger infrastructure scale projects, not the size that we had built up before. So we actually started working with a partner who had experience in both those things. And then in January of this year, we started work on our biggest farm yet, the, the farm at Kent in the southeast of England. 
Kate, what are some of the environmental benefits of vertical farming? A five-acre grow-up farm is equivalent to creating a thousand acres of the most intensively farmed fields, or even actually 1,250 acres if you include the waste that we save in the supply chain by our crops being higher quality and staying fresher for longer. And as our yields improve, the acreage goes up in equivalent as well. So in the last year alone, we've already created the equivalent of another 100 acres per farm by improving our yields and our efficiency. That sounds like a really important innovation in a world of climate uncertainty and increasing population and demand for fresh, healthy food. Why should the public care? Why should the listener care about indoor farming? The more we can help people understand about what it takes to produce their food, the better choices they can make about what they buy and what they eat. And for all of us, as we become increasingly aware of the environmental and the social impact that food production can have on on us and on the world around us, it's more important than ever that that people do understand and do get the opportunity to learn about types of food production like indoor farming in the same way that the more people understand about the sustainable conventional ways of farming that that we have, the more resilient food system we'll be able to create because there'll be consumer demand pulling us in the right direction and making sure that farming continues to be accountable and to be transparent. I loved how Kate is really changing the energy equation for indoor farming. Powering these farms by renewable energy is going to be the key to sustainably scaling controlled environment agriculture. And while things are looking up for indoor farming, rural farmers are still firmly rooted to the ground, doing what they've always done, working hard to grow the food we eat while making ends meet. But even in traditional farm settings, there's a great opportunity for innovation. You are listening to Unreasonable Impact Food Solutions. I'm Christiana Musk, and today we are learning about innovations in farming. Alex Eaton is the CEO and co-founder of Sistema Bio, a business that works with smallholder farmers around the world to address the interlinked challenges of climate change, food security, and poverty. Sistema Bio helps farmers put waste to work using patented biodigesters that enable farmers to convert animal manure into renewable energy and organic natural fertilizer. Alex is currently working with over 36,000 farmers, has brought renewable energy to more than 200,000 people, and has mitigated nearly 400,000 tons of CO2 emissions. Here to tell us all about it is the CEO, Alex Eaton. Hi, Christiana. It's great to be talking with you. Alex, I would love to know, what inspired you to start Sistema Bio? Well, I grew up on a small farm, and in the United States, that's not that common anymore. The the United States has lost 98% of its farming population over the last 80 years. And so I was kind of the the oddball out kid that that still had to clean stalls and, and work a farmer life. And I studied journalism, and so I was able to start traveling. And I realized that in the rest of the world, one in three people are living on small farmers. And even though I'm talking about farmers in Latin America and Kenya and India and, and places all over the world, I really found 
an incredibly powerful connection with smallholder farmers because I actually think small farmers have a lot more in common than their overall differences. So I was really motivated to understand how I could work with that segment of the population. And and frankly, smallholder farmers are at the cross-section of some of the most important challenges we're facing as a society today. What is the definition of a smallholder farmer and about how many people are farming in this way today? We're talking about the population of about 98% of all farms on earth and managing on the order of about 75% of all arable land on earth. So that's really just this significant portion and that's touching about one in three people. So just over 2 billion people are living and working on a smallholder or a family farm. Alex, what is the mission of Sistema Bio? It's pretty simple. Our mission is to create value from waste. So when I started working with smallholder farmers, I was working on a solar project and farmers have sun and land in abundance, but they also have a lot of manure in abundance. And we used to make jokes that if if manure could turn into money, we could really change the economies around. And that's really how the idea of Sistema Bio got started. And the idea of creating value from waste is a beautiful alchemy because it allows us to essentially create value from resources that farmers already have. And what we're trying to do is use a tiny bit of technology as the fulcrum point there to create a big impact. To bring it a bit more down to earth, can you give me an example of one farmer and how they might use your technology? One farmer that we think about a lot is one of the first ones that we met. It's a young farmer by the name of Enrique. He had 12 dairy cows, a few acres of fruit trees and corn and beans, a traditional milpa system in in central Mexico. And like many farmers in the region, his father had arrived in the United States as an immigrant farm worker. So it was just him and his mother working. Just to give you a tiny vision, you can imagine their home is both filled with firewood because they do all their cooking and they actually produced a really beautiful gourmet yogurt. So all of that was done with fuel wood. So half the house was just filled with smoke and firewood. And then the other back end of the house is filled with cows. And that means filled with manure and filled with flies. And and it smells a little bad. When we came in and installed a digester, and what a digester is, is basically a big enclosed, you could think of it like a huge container that all the waste goes in, but no odor or smells or anything can come out. And so it's completely sealed. And so you put all the waste inside there every single day, and that waste turns into methane gas, which goes straight into their kitchen. And then the byproduct of all of this process is a really high potency organic fertilizer. And so they added that to their fruit trees, added that to their corn. You know, the transformation in this case was so complete that, you know, they went from producing yogurt with a high cost of wood to no cost to dramatically increasing their farm's output of fruits and corn and forage and actually improving the quality of their milk too because the cows were in much better conditions. And within a year, Enrique's father had come back from the US. He didn't have to be working there anymore. His mother had chronic respiratory issues that were essentially resolved immediately when she was able to not be in a smoky kitchen for six, eight hours a day. It was such a clear example of one small intervention really impacting a huge area of farmers' lives. What do you see as the future for biodigesters in farming? I think in a future 
contexts where we're resource constrained, land constrained, and trying to have a climate smart energy and food system, the majority of organic waste that we produce should be processed through anaerobic digestion systems. So that can include food waste. We have projects working with human waste for schools and hospitals and things like that, where human waste can be turned into energy. So my hope is that the digester becomes something that just goes hand in hand when you own animals or if you're generating organic waste. I think it's a technology that absolutely deserves a place at the table. Part of how we think biogas makes sense in the future is that we now have technology to turn biogas into electricity. We have biogas grids where whole communities of people are are using biogas from large systems. We're able to run a number of different machinery and different milling equipment and stuff like that to really add clean energy capacity to smallholder farm systems and to the food system in general. Nature works in these full cycles where there's no such thing as waste, but our economy tends to work in this way of production to landfill or to creating too much waste in the ocean or too much waste in the landfills or too much wasted gases up in the atmosphere. And what I see you doing is really closing those loops to help us create the circular economy that we need for the future. That's absolutely right. And in Spanish, our mission was no hay desecho solo recursos, which means there is no waste. There's only resources that are in the wrong place, basically. And so it didn't translate great. So we kind of updated the mission. But absolutely, we started with this idea that in ecosystems, you just don't find huge accumulations of waste. And it just means it's a resource that we're allocating poorly. And that's a really exciting thing. Alex, why should the listener care about this kind of farm innovation? I think there's a lot of ways that food systems impact us all. And as we spend money on food every single day, we essentially make a choice, right? So you decide how the food system's evolving. If you you want your food from a factory farm, or if you want it from an indoor farm, or if you want it from a laboratory. And, And the truth is, is that we'll likely need all of those things combined. I have a vision of the future in which smallholder and family farmers continue to be the bulk of our food system because I believe that literal environment, the landscapes that we're surrounded by are going to be formed by how we decide to farm. And what I've seen very clearly is that family farmers make decisions based on their community, their environment, and their the economies of their farm. And I think that we want to make sure that we can align a food system with the world we want to see in the future. And I want to see it dotted with diverse, beautiful rural communities that are growing our food and thriving at the same time. I have an ear of corn on my desk that a farmer gave me that is yellow, white, blue, purple, and red, all the different kernels in one (laughs) ear of corn. And to me, that represents all the diversity of the kinds of food that we want to preserve in the future. And I think that's one of the exciting things that we're talking about the future of food is all of these great new technologies. But what you're really helping remind us of is that we can bring to bear the best of the technology that we have towards inviting the kind of farming and the kind of food that we want to enjoy in the future. And to the values that like, what do we value in our food system? I think about technology and I think it's useful to understand and it's useful to advance. And maybe I'm old fashioned, but I don't get the same emotional response when I think about a countryside filled with people working it. And then in Mexico, for example, there's so many ceremonies that happen around the corn harvest. And what a beautiful thing. I don't get that same feeling 
when people talk to me about robots or big warehouses filled with lights. And, you know, maybe these are practicalities that we need and I completely understand them. And I think it's important that we're knocking on all the different doors of technological development. But I do feel like what we're missing with smallholder farmers is that they're still out there by hand with a hoe or maybe with an oxen with really access to almost no technology. And so while I understand the complexity of indoor farming and hydroponics and all of these things, with just a tiny bit of technological advancement, all of this land all of a sudden comes back online. And we get the beauty, we get the resilience, we get the environmental services, all of these things in one package. And that's what really gets me excited is that food and sustainable development can absolutely mix with a vision of the world that I think it could be a paradise. And we really need to keep that vision in mind in order to make sure that we create it. Speaking to Alex really makes me think, Sometimes a major innovation doesn't have to upend the whole food system, but it can be synergistic with the way of life for smallholder farmers while regenerating rural economies, improving farmers' livelihoods, and fighting climate change. After all, farmers have been burning dung for eons, but now there's a cleaner, greener, and more efficient way to turn that animal waste into energy. It's so inspiring, and it makes me wonder, what else is right around the corner? It's great to shine a light on the impactful work of the Unreasonable Impact Fellows. To learn more about Grow Up Farms, Sistema Bio, and the full portfolio of Unreasonable Impact companies, visit unreasonableimpact.com. Thanks for listening. Paid and presented by Barclays and Unreasonable Group. Produced by BBC StoryWorks Commercial Productions.